0: Welcome to the Nittany Blues Podcast by Penn State fans for Penn State fans. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Vince.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Nittany Blues podcast. Hope that you're all enjoying a nice week out there. Thanks. all. Thank you so much for tuning in. Andrew here alongside Vince and uh, Vince. We've got another football game here to talk about this week. It's Indiana. Uh, Penn State's coming off a tough loss against Ohio State. But, uh, you know, the sun did rise on Sunday morning. The world did not end, um, even though, you know, the hearts of Nittany Lion fans everywhere were broken. But uh, a couple days have passed since then. So how are you doing now?
0: I'm doing okay, man. Uh, like like I said, it's it's been up and down. You have the that loss to Ohio state bringing you down, the Eagles bring you up, and then the the Phillies bring you right back down again. Uh really the thing that's been keeping me going though is the sunshine. The sun did rise. We got some warmer temperatures before kind of that long brutal winter wave comes through and we don't see the sun until March. So definitely enjoying the sunny weather this week. Finally excited for some uh, you know, warm tailgating, high of 75, sunny, perfect tailgating weather. Uh, after like the, the past few tailgates having, you know, rain and potential for thunderstorms, it's just going to be nice to go out there and just have a great time, man. So I, I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, you know, we got Indiana coming into town. So a little bit less uh, anxiety for for the fan base. So I think it's going to be a good week and uh, hope, I'm hoping it'll bring our spirits back up. How about you? Sweet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously coming off the Phillies just absolutely uh, committing an all time choke job uh, in the NLCS, uh, you know, that's going to be one that is going to be talked about forever um, in Philadelphia sports history for better or worse, uh, you know, going to be one of the major what ifs, but uh you know much like we do every year in Philadelphia sports fandom we move on and uh, look forward to the next year but uh yeah so we've got we've got Indiana uh coming up this week um i you know i think it's fair to say this is definitely like a get right opportunity for penn state but um you know i want to circle back to um ohio state a little bit talk a little bit about kind of the Uh, the aftermath of that game, uh, some of the questions that were asked at James Franklin's uh, press conference. I got a couple questions for you, which I think will kind of uh, deliver um, some interesting conversation here. But yeah, so following the game, Penn state fell to number 10 in the AP poll. Um, Personally, I thought that, you know, that was probably around. Yeah, I thought it was generous. (laughs) I was thinking anywhere from like 10 to 13 was my guess, but you know, so uh, they are still a top 10 team for now. Um, we still don't know what, uh, chop Robinson's status is, uh, James Franklin in his most recent, uh, press conference said that, uh, he doesn't believe that it's going to be season ending, but you know, he's not going to, uh, dive too much into the details of his injury right now. Uh, so we'll, you know, hopefully learn a little bit more about that. He did say that JB Nelson is full go this week. So that is good news for the offensive line. Um, and you know, I would say like from a, just a general standpoint, you know, kind of the theme. Of All the content that's come after the game in the form of like articles and podcasts and video breakdowns and stuff like that is that the conversation has really kind of shifted about what this Penn State team can accomplish this year because a lot of people thought that Penn State had a really good chance to win that game, especially given the pieces that were in place and, you know, kind of the roll up like to that game. And, uh, you know, part of that conversation is also like what they can expect from drew Aller this season, like, obviously there's going to be a lot of question marks around his performance the rest of this season, uh, looking to see how he can, uh, kind of perform, you know, when there's like pressure in his face, especially on the road. Like there's a lot of things that, uh, kind of need to be sorted out, but, uh, you got any thoughts on, on those bits?
0: Yeah. Final thoughts. Uh, Ohio state, really good defense. Uh, I think. We respected them, but we I still think even though we respected them, we didn't realize to the really quality that the elite Buckeye defense is. Uh, I thought Penn State would be able to do some nice things on offense, and that that was not the case. So, you know, really elite defense. Uh, They're not going to be going against defenses like that every single week. I think you're going to see more defenses like the Illinois and Northwestern performance. I think you're... Gonna see more performances like that from Drew, um, and you're also gonna see, I'm sure, some of those West Virginia performances where he, he looked just about untouchable. So, I think you're gonna see more of that to come. Michigan, uh, yeah, that's obviously the big question mark. Can he get the job done? Um, You know, he has been really good at home, so I'm hoping that uh, in Beaver Stadium, he he brings his A game, and the rest of the offense does too, because he is not a one man show. He cannot do it all by himself so um you know really really looking for that but in terms of expectations for drew i think he's just gonna coach is gonna have him keep doing what he's doing try to improve some things here and there but the main thing is gonna be the main thing and i think this is gonna be a 10 and 2 squad this year yeah
1: fair enough um which i mean 10 and 2 is still a pretty darn good season by a lot of team standards so we're not gonna you know kind of talk about uh, like whether or not 10 and two is good enough for Penn state football right now. Uh, we'll wait for the rest of the season to play out uh, before we uh, maybe start having some more of those quote unquote hard conversations and whatnot. But uh, in the meantime, Vince, I, I have a couple of questions for you that I think are going to open things up a little bit in terms of like our conversation, because to preface this, I would say, generally speaking, we try to be pretty optimistic and, you know, kind of like high level, like with our conversations and stuff like that. And that is to be, like, respectful of everybody who is involved, and to just be uplifting and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that we are going to take a hard left and be the most <laughs> critical people on the planet, but I want to rip the bandaid off a little bit and be a, be a bit more real here. So. I'm gonna hit you with a couple of questions here, and I wanna I wanna know your thoughts. And the first one, I'm just gonna come right out the gate here. Has Penn State hit its
0: ceiling with James Franklin as head coach? Really good question. Um, I'm gonna say say no. And the reason why I say this is it's recruiting. Uh, you know, they say coaches coach, but you know, players gotta play. So I think as long as Penn State is having good success, uh, I think they 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 can get up there. I right? I think he's the right guy to do it. I think he's really been the really the guy to get NIL together for Penn State and to try to he's kept them from falling behind. Uh you know, to be quite frank. And I think he he's getting us in a good as good of a position as he can be. Um you could look at Georgia 5 years ago. Georgia wasn't really super relevant. It it took them a while Uh, to climb up and get to this level where they're consistently beating Alabama. And the same thing goes for Penn state. Now, do I think we've closed the gap? Yeah, I think we closed the gap. I just think we had, you know, a piss poor performance. I I think all the players would agree on offense and you know, you're, you're playing in a tough road environment. So uh, can they bounce back? Maybe. Uh, I I don't think so. I I think the offense is just too far behind, especially if those wide receivers aren't going to get open. If they're not going to get open, that lets Michigan take away what we do best, which is run the football with uh, Nick Singleton. And uh, yeah, I think that's going to be really tough for Penn State to get over that 10-2 and ceiling. I think you're going to see Penn State likely be in a New Year's Six Bowl yet again. So that's what I that's where I see them going. And, you know, that it's not the the end of the world. Uh look where we were years ago where just making the pinstripe poll was a was a good thing, you know, back when you were in college. Uh so uh, you know, to, to put a bow on my, my statements, I, I think we're, you know, kind of at our typical ceiling right now, but I do think there is potential for Penn State to go through. So what do you, what do you think? Has Penn state has, have they reached the ceiling? No, I'm in the same boat as
1: you. I think
0: we hit a stumbling
1: block, but this is another stepping stone to the eventual goal that James Franklin and the Penn state program want to reach. You know, we, we heard after 2018 that James Franklin, his entire mindset is to try and be elite. And, you know, I think they've, they've taken the steps to get there. I think what we saw on Saturday was less about like a major gap between two programs and it was more so a lack of planning and execution on one side of the football because defensively they were awesome special teams they were spot on so you got to clean those things up and so I think for me it boiled more down to like the preparation the coaching and the play calling which Those are the hard conversations that you can have within your staff and like try to do, try to take the steps to sort those things out. So, no, I don't think that the ceiling has been hit and there's no more room for ascension for Penn State, especially given the fact that the Big Ten is going to look a hell of a lot different next year. So, the conversation is going to shift now um, because Penn State's not going to be playing Ohio State and Michigan anymore. So, there's going to be more nuance to this conversation. And I think. that nuance is going to be very important because, you know, now it's not, okay, can you overcome these two top five teams every year? And instead it's going to be, okay, can you navigate now a more difficult, a more like in-depth big 10 schedule and play all these teams week after week and like have good success. And so I think the narrative is going to shift a little bit. And so I think there's, there's still a lot more story to be told about James Franklin's time at Penn State like right now everybody's so reactive and is so emotional which I mean is totally fair because after the game I was like beside myself you know we waited you know like an hour after the game to record which is probably a good thing because I was gonna (laughs) basically just come on and scream for 30 minutes so you know I think that this like there's, there's still a lot of season left. There's still a lot of Penn state football under James Franklin left. So, you know, you just got to keep plugging away at the things that, that have allowed them to close that gap because eventually you'll get to the place where you want to be.
0: Yeah. And I, 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 talked about Georgia, but I also think another good example of this is Michigan. I, I remember we went to game day about five years ago when they, they hosted Michigan. I, I believe it was 2018. And I remember seeing this poster and it was like, a mario kart poster and it was like big 10 titles and i had like coach franklin in first ohio state in second and then like you know uh john harbaugh with like the waluigi like hand in his face or whatever in third place with with zero big 10 titles and everyone was trolling harbaugh and like you know making fun of his khakis and 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 stuff like that and uh just we all thought Michigan was never going to get to the top and win and and look what, look where they got uh, a few years later after, you know, us taking care of business and them not looking, looking like they're going to be third place every single year. And then 2021 comes around, they're looking good. They go back to back uh, 2023 to me, they're still the favorite to win the big 10. So Penn State can get there. Uh, Michigan has shown it, it's possible to be done. And uh, early on in those Harbaugh years, what did they have? They had a really good defense, and the offense was like, meh, not great. So I think Penn State is kind of at that point now, and they, they have the potential to try to figure it out and, and get up to that level that Michigan's up currently. Well said.
1: Yeah. So uh, here's the next question I got for you. Um, this has to do with our wide receivers. So obviously the big move at the wide receiver spot last or during this past off season, um, aside from adding Dante Cephas uh, to the wide receiver core, was replacing coach St- uh, Taylor Stubblefield with coach Marquez Higgins. So. Here's my question to you. Do you think that James Franklin missed the mark with relieving Stubblefield in favor of Hagens, or do you put it more at the feet of those individual players for their lack of production this season relative to last season?
0: Good question. Uh, I think this is a a good question for the the end of the season. Right now, my answer is it's too early to tell. Uh, If you look at West Virginia... You're thinking, man, this is awesome. Keandre Lambert is so happy with his new coach and the vibe of the wide receiver rooms he's saying is so much better. But in terms of production, I was seeing a lot more last year. Uh, I was liking that you always saw Parker Washington, Mitzel Tinsley getting open. Keandre is the three, and you know, he's really showing off his speed. And uh, I think you know, last year's wide receiver core was better uh it is really tough to evaluate because you know you have different coaches and different players it's not like you can see the two coaches with the same players i do think that is a, is really difficult to evaluate but uh i think when we get towards the end of the season i think it'll be better to make uh this assessment so i'm going to say uh too early to tell i think he's done some good things i really like that he's uh you know brought in some transfers I like that he's got some verbal commitments from recruits so that shows that he's a good recruiter and able to bring in the talent we just got to translate that to production and execution on the football field yeah I think that I think that's fair to say
1: and I would kind of say that right now I would kind of put it more on the players and the reason why I say that is because it kind of seems like that's in line with what Franklin is saying as well because during his his press conference he said you know guys are competitive in the wide receiver group but nobody's really separating themselves outside of Keandre Lambert Smith and that's clearly not you know what Penn State needs to achieve that level of success because like if you look at years past when Penn State has had like a really good wide receiving core there's always been that clear number two you had Mitchell Tinsley you had Deshaun Hamilton you had Parker Washington back during his early years uh, or his early time with Penn State and plenty of others that are out there and Penn State just does not have that and you know Keandre can't be just Doing it all on his own, <laughs> like you know those opposing defenses are gonna be like learn to shut him down they're gonna just you know kind of like copy him like wherever he wherever he goes like in motion and stuff like that like it's gonna be very easy for opposing defenses if they're you know if they have like a like somewhat like you know good enough defensive personnel and coaching staff to essentially eliminate him from the equation so you know I would say that like right now like Everybody across the board on the offensive side needs to play better, but like on the wide receiver side of things, like, you know, it's, it's not a coincidence that James Franklin keeps saying like guys need to make plays for drew more consistently. Guys need to separate themselves. Like these guys need to like step up in certain ways. So, you know, like kind of similar to like how we think about like trout wine and stuff like that. Like the guy's clearly got the chops. He's shown it in several different places. Like, and it's like what you say, like at, at a certain point, the players need to play. So that's, that's just kind of like my think, uh, my thinking, but, um, you know, I think it's totally fair to say that like, you know, the second half of the season can look a heck of a lot different than the first.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think something that, uh, we talked about how Penn state can improve their offense in our tailgate tips, which is going to be released earlier in the week. I think one thing I might've missed in ways to fix the offense, if the wide receivers aren't creating separation do some more two and three tight end sets. Like we've seen Khalil Dinkins as the number three tight end, make some really nice plays this year. Um, And when you got more size out there, you can be more physical in the run game. And, you know, that helps the run game out. So maybe you have Keandre Lambert Smith out there to stretch the defense a little bit. And then you play smash mouth football with three tight ends. Maybe that's the way Penn state needs to do it. They just need to get some more size and, you know, obviously like Tyler Warren and Theo Johnson, they've shown to be threats in the run game or sorry, the wider, the receiving game. And you can't just not guard them. They're really talented athletes. So, you know, maybe doing that, uh, two tight end sets, maybe having more two running back sets when, where you have K Tron and Nick on the field at the same time. So maybe, you know, two running backs, two tight ends. Then you have Keandre Lambert Smith, you know, out there. Uh, maybe that's the way Penn state needs to go because these wide receivers just simply are not getting the separation needed to effectively move the ball down the field. And, you know, we might look like Iowa out there, but as long as we're moving the chains, that's, that's all that matters. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's like, who cares at that point, but that, I'm glad you got into that because that was, that was another question that I had, which was like, you know, how would you kind of approach the offense? And I think that we were aligned in a lot of ways um with the fact that we both want to use the running backs more because for me i'm kind of looking at things and saying okay like who are my most effective and consistent playmakers or options at the skill positions and what has penn state been able to do well to a certain degree and when i look at it like the the answer to the first question is nick and katron are you know kind of the most consistent options right now at any skill position Like Keandre is a close third and like Tyler Warren's also like very close at like number four, I would say. But like those two guys, like when they get their opportunities, they really make the most of them. So I'm saying, okay, like we need to we need to give them the ball more because when you look at the stats or the box score for the Ohio State game, both of those guys uh, each had nine touches during that game in a game when Penn State could not pass or complete a pass like at all, especially in the second half. Those two guys need to get the ball more. And especially in the fourth quarter, when the game was like still up in the air, like that could have gone in either direction. They had to combine three touches in that quarter. Like that is clearly not enough. Like those two guys need to get, need to get the ball more. And I think that Penn State needs to just kind of say like not scrap the offense, but scheme ways to get the ball into their hands in more creative ways and like trying to run between the tackles every time. Um, Maybe try like moving the line. And like, you know, so maybe we're not trying to get a push like right up front. Maybe we're trying to be a little more creative, like with how we are rushing the football. Like, um, you know, maybe uh, scheme out some easy, quick, like passes out of the flat and like let them do something in space. Because I I'm like trying to think about, you know, times in the past when Penn State like maybe hasn't had the best offensive line and like ways that they had offensive success. And I just go back to Saquon Barkley. Like, Penn State did not have a great line in 2016 or 17, but they consistently schemed ways to get the ball into Saquon's hands so that he could do what he did best, which was make people miss and run really fast. Like, that was it. And Penn State had decent offensive success through, you know, the majority of those two seasons. And so, like, I think that Penn State um, can definitely do that. And, like, I also think, too, like, I don't think this is, like, a major thing right now, but for this upcoming game against Indiana, I I want to get Drew comfortable again because I don't think he's like rattled. I don't think his confidence is like broken or anything by this this Ohio State game, but that was a way different game that he's experienced so far in his young career. I want to give him some easy opportunities, um, some easy reads to just kind of get himself comfortable making quick decisions and like trusting what his eyes are seeing. And so, you know, alongside like all, you know, kind of an increased emphasis on the rushing game. I'm thinking throw in a little play action or throw in maybe some RPO to get his mind working, looking at the defense and reading them. And then if that's not there, you got your one read, maybe down the field, one quick, easy read. And if that's not there, you have have plenty of options to check down to. I like your idea of the multiple tight ends out there. Have them be out there sitting underneath. Tyler Warren is a yard after catch monster. So let him do his thing, get the ball into his hands as well. And uh, we'll be able to turn up some yards. So what do you think?
0: Yeah, I think that's a good game plan. I The thing I like most about what you said is getting these guys, especially Nick, the ball in space. He will make guys miss. And throughout the course of the season, we're, we're at over the halfway point. We haven't seen him get the ball in space a lot. And he hasn't had the chances to make guys miss. So whether it's the offensive lineman or Franklin being more creative to scheme him open, you you saw Ohio State do it with Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, Penn State just lost him at times. And you can't do that with the best player. And the fact that Ohio State is able to do that and get Marvin Harrison Jr. open, and we're not able to do that with a guy like Nick Singleton, that's a problem. That's a coaching problem. They need to scheme some more creative ways to get him open. We've seen a lot of this kind of uh, cute plays with, you know, Keandre Lambert trying to throw passes and other, you know, other players doing that and stuff, but we need to be more creative. Just figure out a way to get 10 the ball. He's your most explosive player. Uh, we talked about explosive plays a lot this year, getting those 12 plus yard runs, those 15 plus yard passes. That's the way to do it. Get the ball to 10. So that's uh, something I really, really like to see moving forward. Yep. So here's my last, I
1: guess I'll say kind of hardball question for you um, about the Ohio State game. Should we have seen Bo Perbula at all in the fourth quarter to try and get a jolt on offense?
0: I don't think that actually would have been a terrible idea. Uh, Like, obviously, Ohio State's going to know he's going to run the ball. Mm-hmm. Like ninety percent of the time, because we know we know Bo is just not as good of a thrower as Drew. Is. That's why he's the backup. Um, however, when you get in a rut and you you change up the pace and you change up the players, that that can that can really throw off the rhythm of the defense. And you're just throwing something different at them. I, I think that's a really great idea. Maybe just do it for one drive, see if it works. Uh, because hey, who knows? Football is a game of momentum. You saw that with this the strip sack six where we had the holding penalty. We go from up 10 3, and you know, Ohio State goes up 10 3 because they they move up and they score a touchdown off of like three penalties on Penn State in the red zone. So it is a game of momentum. It can change very quickly. So I think that's something that could have went into Penn State's favor. And if the fact is we're not going to throw the ball down the field anyway. Cause we, no one's getting open. Let's get physical and just try to beat them up. Like that's, yeah. you saw Notre Dame try to do that. And they, they almost came out with a victory. Uh, they got 14 points. We got, I'm easily six. a measly 6 i, I do not even count that last touchdown. That was garbage time. We got six points on offense. That, that's what yeah. it was. Yeah. So it's not going to get any worse. So I, I think throwing Bo out there, even even if it's just like a read option, uh, maybe Boga breaks a run and then that makes Ohio State have to be a little more honest on him and maybe that creates space for Nick Singleton or Katron Allen. So yeah. I, think, I think having him in the game, maybe just for one drive, I, I think that would have been a good thing to try to break the rhythm, especially when the offense was in such a rut. Because if you get a couple explosive plays out of that formation and his play package that he has – you know, that can really, you know, lift the, the spirit of the team. And then Drew gets out there. They're in the rhythm. You get Ohio State back on their heels a little bit. And that can really change the outcome of the game. So, yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I think in a game like that, where the rut is that bad, it, it's not a terrible idea to throw throw your backup out there, especially if he's shown the ability to take care of the football and practice and not turn it over.
1: Yeah, for sure. And especially considering, too, that towards the end of the game, the Ohio State defensive line was just overwhelming the Penn State offensive line. So if you get a guy out there who is a little bit mo- more mobile, maybe he's able to avoid JT. I mean, I don't know. That guy is just a monster <laughs> in his own right. He but goes like
0: super saying whenever he plays Penn State, it's like dragging the fourth quarter. Out there. It's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> but, uh,
1: you know, just just a different look, something else for Ohio State to think about. You know, they just, you know, maybe they're not so much in that. OK. We got to like collapse the pocket and like once once we get him moving in there, then basically we got him like get them out of that like mindset or just, you know, complacency on defense. So kind of one of those could have, would have, should have. But, you know, one thing I wanted to throw in there as well, like on the offensive side of things, I think like that there needs to be a like more there needs to be way more cohesion and much more of a purpose behind like the play calling, especially during like key moments. Like I think, you know, one thing that's characterized Penn state on the offensive side of the ball um, at certain times throughout, you know, a handful of years is that they do something and it works. And then we never see it again and nobody really knows why. So, you know, like, and that, that's just not something that we really see like with a team like Ohio state or with Michigan, like they go to the things that work and That's like, that's kind of their game plan to an extent. Like you branch off from there, obviously you got to like be malleable to the flow of the game and what the defense is showing you and stuff like that. But like, if it's work, like don't fix it. I I, I think back to like 2016, um, you know, that was, I, I forget who the quarterback was at the time for Michigan, but when Michigan just absolutely steamrolled Penn state that year, the guy after the game was like joking around and said, yeah, we ran the same play on offense eight times. And they like went down and scored. Like they got they got a first down on like every single carry that they had, and they just ran the same exact play. So sometimes it really is just that simple. Like go with what's working and make them think about it. And then when they think you're gonna zig, that's when you zag. And I think that's that's kind of a major piece here. So it's like you know going back to the idea of like rushing with Nick and and Catron. It's like if you're gonna do that, like do it. Don't just like do it for like a small smattering in like the beginning of the second half or in the beginning of the second quarter, and then never go back to it the rest of the game. Like that, that just doesn't, it just doesn't seem like that is really a recipe for success. So I just wanted to throw that out there as well, that I think like decision-making and play calling need to also be aligned with all of this.
0: Yeah. And I agree. And if you look at coach Franklin's presser, he says, be who you are. That means do what works. Yeah. They got away from it. There's, no no doubt about it. You could, it was very evident uh, when you saw Penn State's performance. They got away from uh, their identity.
1: So here's a little bit of a, a, like a speculation question here. So talking about James Franklin's presser, first of all, he said that they experienced a ton of quote-unquote raw emotion um, as a program after the game, which is completely understandable. We all saw the video of uh, Drew Aller, you know, kind of like on an island uh, by himself, you know, Tough spot to be in. you um, noted that uh, they have to make sure that this loss doesn't get them twice because that's happened in the past. One thing you also said is that, um, you know, leading up to that Tuesday presser after the game, there's been some extra time in the team facilities for the staff after the game having some what he is calling hard discussions. So I want to ask you, what, what's your guess as to what those hard discussions are? What are the topics of conversation that those coaches are having?
0: I think those topics are who should we put in at wide receiver? Okay. What what formation should we start running? Who do we need to get off the field? Who is hurting us right now? I think they're trying to figure out who are the best 11 guys we can have on the field in different situations to give us success. And, you know, Coach Franklin, he's a player's coach. He likes to rotate a lot of guys. He likes to get several players out there. But at the end of the day, they, this isn't like, you know, peewee football. Feelings are going to get hurt. Players aren't going to play. You you got to figure out, hey, who are the best guys to put out there? Who's putting us in bad situations? Who's, you know, maybe they're a great player, but maybe they're missing assignments. And, you know, maybe they're blocking instead of running a route or, you know, maybe they're running around when they should be blocking. Those communication things are really important. So I think just having those conversations that's like, hey, we got to look ourselves in the mirror. We got to be blunt. We got to figure out, hey, what's going wrong and get things turned around. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you with
1: that. I also think that maybe there are some conversations around who is going to handle play calling in certain situations uh, during the game, because, you know, one major question that I said, I I said to Julie after the game, I'm like, you know, as far as like offensive play calling is concerned, I don't know who is calling most of the plays. My guess would be your Yep.
0: Um,
1: because that's just kind of been the style of like James Franklin's you know head coaching career like you know it was extremely evident with Joe Moorhead and like kind of letting him like take the controls and stuff like that even like with Ricky Ronnie and with Kirk Shiraka and stuff like that like so so I'm wondering if some conversations are being had like on the offensive side of the ball obviously Franklin is more of an offensive oriented coach like just based on his uh, past experience whether or not he's talking about okay like in certain situations like this maybe I'll be like calling certain things so you know it's completely speculation but it's just uh interesting that he specifically said hard conversations after you know kind of the latest chapter in disappointments against big teams like ohio state
0: yeah and maybe this is a situation where maybe the coordinator thinks one thing and franklin thinks they're a different thing and he has to make a an executive yeah. decision that's like hey this is what we're doing get over it right no, I th- I think that that's it, that's
1: extremely you know what it all just comes down to. I mean, everybody everybody needs to be aligned at at you know a certain point. Like the buck stops with Franklin, so there like there needs to be cohesion. You know, all like not only just with the the plays that are called um, on the field, but also between each other.
0: Yeah, and uh, it, it comes down to accountability, like a hard conversation you have Sandra Shehaik who wins the camp job. And then right. he misses a couple field goals against West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Alex Falcons comes in and does good. They have a hard, hard conversation and they roll the Falcons and it's worked. So they might need to have these conversations, uh, you know, a little, they're a little more in depth. It's, you know, not quite as obvious because the kicker, it's a little easier to assess them. Uh, so looking at, really diving down into the film room who's hitting on all the plays who's missing and really figuring out the best 11 players they can put out there. Yeah,
1: fair enough. Uh, so, um, yeah, that, that, those were the questions that I had for you. So thought that was, uh, some interesting conversation to be had. Definitely a little bit of a different tenor, uh, to some of the stuff that we've talked about previously. So appreciate, Mm -hmm. appreciate you bearing with me here.
0: Yeah, no problem. I love answering these questions and it also gives me an opportunity that if I forgot something, I I can uh, bring it up. So
1: (laughs) fair enough. Uh, you got anything else, uh, on Ohio state or do you want to talk Indiana? Uh,
0: yeah, let's move on to Indiana talk about, uh, some of the players they got.
1: Yeah, sounds good. So, um, yeah, for me, um, I really only have two names on my list here. I think that this is, um, a situation that we've, uh, kind of, gone back to a couple times with Penn state and their opponents in that there is a, there's a noticeable talent difference here. Um, you know, not trying to be like disrespectful, but just kind of calling it what it is. Um, so I think the two players that I wanted to shout out here from the Indiana side is, uh, the running back Jalen Lucas, who leads the team in rushing attempts, but also in receptions. So, um, similar to a couple of like other do it all backs that we've talked about on this podcast, uh, during this season and last season. So definitely one that's going to be, uh, one to keep an eye on if you're a Penn State fan and also, uh, defensive back Philip Dunham, um, leads the team in interceptions. Uh, he's a experienced guy, obviously has a nose for the football and stuff like that. So I think those are, uh, two names. Um, you know, they have a young quarterback. They like, they have some success, uh, you know, passing the ball more so than rushing the ball. It seems like they're more of a, a pass heavy offense. So, you know, I think, I mean, not to, not to kind of put the cart before the horse, but I think that this like plays really well into Penn state's hands defensively. Uh So, you know, I think that, uh, like I said, this is like a good get right opportunity for the team.
0: Yeah, I think so too. This is a, a good opportunity. Soresby uh, quarterback position. He's definitely a dual threat guy. So you're, you're going to have to watch him hurting you with his legs. So, Gap discipline is going to be imperative in this matchup. Uh, Players cannot be missing assignments. They need to make sure they're communicating well and, um, you know, not trying to be a hero, cover your space. Uh, And then Jalen Lucas, he's definitely a big time threat in the receiving game out of the backfield. He's also a returner for them uh, as well as running the ball. So those are probably the the two guys you really got to look out for in the backfield. And then those defensive players, Uh, that you mentioned too, this is, this is a solid, uh, Tom Allen, uh, defensive coach, Indiana Hoosier squad. Yeah, no,
1: well said. Um, what do you think, like some of the keys to to this game are like, what does Penn state have to do to make sure that they, you know, go out there and perform the way that they want to?
0: Uh, for me, uh, number one thing, (laughs) I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, but it's turnovers. Uh, you take care of the football you're not putting yourselves in bad situations. If there was one positive to take away from the Ohio state game is that Penn state did not turn the football over. Drew still has zero turnovers, seven games through a college football season and his first year as the starter. So really impressive. Just the fact that he's maintained that. I think that's impressive for any starting quarterback, uh, you know, in college football. So really impressive. The offense only has one turnover all season, so they've, they've been taking care of the football, and being who you are is important. So if they take care of the football, I, I see no problems here. The defense, they're going to do their thing as long as you're not giving them short fields. Uh, Indiana, I think, is going to have a really difficult time you know, going 80 yards to score a touchdown. So I, I think that's definitely the biggest key for me, take care of the football. And then I I think running the football is really important, too. I'd really like to see them get the run game going. And then once the run game opens up, maybe using that to try to bring the defense in a little bit more and load the box. And hopefully that opens up some shots down the field and you can get the wide receivers some more confidence and opportunities to shine uh, heading into Maryland and Michigan, which are going to be more difficult matchups uh, on the horizon.
1: Yeah, well said. I mean, you said like pretty much everything that I was going to mention way more eloquently than I was going to. I just have here like go out there and execute. Um, I think the Penn State is going to be able to score on Indiana like pretty much any way that they want. And I say that, you know, knocking on wood. But, you know, Penn State still has the athletes to go out there and score on most of the defenses in the Big Ten. Um, and yeah, as always, like you said, just protect the football. The, the way that you lose against a big underdog at home is by turning the ball over uh, in key spots and giving them a short field. We all know how awesome Penn State's defense is, but if they're going to you know, be put on the 10-yard line, there's only so much that they can do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you saw that at the Northwestern game when they, they fumbled the kickoff. They helped them do a field goal. Exactly. And they scored uh I think maybe 10 points that game. I forget if it was 10 or 13. Yeah. It was it was 10. I so think they, so, yeah. They gave up a touchdown and like garb, no. They gave up like one touchdown the whole game. So Right. This de- this defense is is going to put together a great game. You know that. Uh even with the injury to Chop Robinson, mm-hmm. that is a end is a position where we do have a lot of depth. Mm -hmm. I think getting chop it back for Michigan is much needed. So I'm hoping that he's healthy by then. But I do think because of the depth we can get through Indiana, I think we can get through Maryland, uh, you know, with him resting up that injury.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'll tell you what, though, man, that'll be a huge shame if he's not going to be able to go for Maryland because that's his former team. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure he wanted to get uh, like one last crack at them.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, It's getting a little revenge. Uh, You know, it's a border war with Maryland. Their fans are players just haven't really been uh, kind to Penn State. They started it off with like the no handshake things. Uh, Whenever I watch Penn State versus Maryland on TV, they're always saying something derogatory towards Penn State that it's heard on national television. Like you hear them saying, you know, F Penn State. And it's like so loud that. (laughs) <laughs> it's like everyone in the stadium yeah. and it's just like, there's kids watching this at home. Like really like, really, like if it's like a handful of people like doing that, it's whatever that sports, like you're going to have that everywhere. But when it's like that loud, everyone is hearing it on TV. It's just like, all right, Maryland you know, stay classy. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: good stuff. <laughs> um, You got anything else here or uh, do you want to do some over unders?
0: Yeah, let's move on to over-unders. One of my favorite me, my fearless
1: over-under leader.
0: <laughs> over-under. All right, so our spread, it has been moved up to 32. Started at 30, now it's up to 32. Uh, do you think Penn State is able to cover the spread? You know what? Uh, I don't think so. I think Ooh. that
1: 32 is... Um, that that's a pretty big spread. I think Penn state wins this game comfortably, but that that's an enormous spread. I'm 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 saying no for this week.
0: You're being too much of a pessimist. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to take Penn state covering the spread. So I'm going to go over. Cool. Yeah. I think that's been a theme this year. I've been more optimistic than you, which is very (laughs) strange for me. i what, what's happened, What, what is happening here?
1: Maybe we've just rubbed off on each other. Uh, enough times like doing this show that like we're, we're just picking up each other's like energy
0: yeah i'm just, i'm bringing you down to earth and and you're bringing me up from uh <laughs> yeah. i don't know the the pit of misery <laughs> sure <laughs> i don't know what to yeah. call
1: it yeah but, <laughs> dude the pit of misery is what i was in after freaking penn state lost the phillies lost um yeah if the if the eagles also lost um while wearing their kelly greens and stuff like that i would have been inconsolable like I just, I probably would have just disappeared for a couple days. <laughs>
0: yeah. Pit of misery. Dilly, dilly. All right. Moving yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Uh, points for Penn state over or under 38 and a half.
1: Oh, I got the over here. Penn state's going to get over 40.
0: I'm going to disagree with you there, Andrew. Uh, I'm going to take the under. I think Indiana's got a solid defense. I do think there was a little bit of a hangover from Ohio state. I think offensively things aren't. Going to be awesome. I think it might take them a little while to get rolling. I think there's going to be miscommunication still. I think they're going to be trying to clean things up. I think they're going to be trying to change things because things did not work against Ohio State. And when you change, that's when some of your miscommunications happen. But that is how you learn. You learn through mistakes sometimes. And I think that's what they're going to do as they prepare for some more difficult opponents coming up in Maryland and Michigan. Gotcha. All right. Uh, moving on to uh, points against uh, over or under six and a half points for Maryland. Or sorry, we're not playing Maryland. We're playing Indiana. <laughs> yeah. Over or under six and a half points for Indiana. I have
1: the over here. I think we're going to see one garbage time touchdown and we're going to see one at some random point in
0: the game. I got the over. So for me, I have always this season, always underestimated this defense. Mm -hmm. I'm not getting beat again. Give me the (laughs) under, under six and a half points for the Indiana Hoosiers. Sweet. All right. Is Penn state going to be able to run the ball this week over or under 250 rushing yards? I'm going to, I'm taking the over and I'm saying that
1: more as like a prayer than an actual (laughs) prediction, because like, I think that Penn state can run on just about anybody. They just got to, Like, commit themselves to do it. And I just think there's so much inconsistency and lack of cohesion, like, with the play calling that just disrupts so much of, like, what could be working with the running game. So, I think they can run on them. I think they're going to because I... You know, you know what I think this is going to be like. It's going to be like in Nick Sirianni's first year when everybody was crushing him for not running the ball, and then the next week all he did was run the ball, and the Eagles <laughs> like destroyed whoever they were playing that week. I, I'm feeling that kind of energy here.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure where I want to go with this one. Um, I think you might see Penn State throw a little bit more. I, I think as Indiana's playing. I think their number one priority is still to stop Nick Singleton. So I'm I'm gonna take the under here. I, I think they'll have a lot of success running the ball, but I think I'm gonna go under the 250. Okay. All right. Passing yards. Over or under 250 passing yards. I'll take the under here. Um
1: kind of just to even things out with what I just said. Um I'm not I'm not predicting like a high flying passing attack here um because one like that's not been penn state all season long and number two uh like i said earlier if i'm like franklin and Juricic and stuff like that i'm looking for some quick pitch and catch type of plays to kind of get him to like set his feet again step into the throw look at you know kind of the defensive package and stuff like that just to like get him the reps, get him the confidence back, and get him into rhythm. Um, but I don't think that, like, once that dust is settled, I'm not seeing over 250, so I'll take the under.
0: You know what? The sun's supposed to be shining. Give me, give me the over. Uh, right. I think the conditions <laughs> will be better to, to pass the ball. I think you're going to see Penn State run the ball early, and then I think Indiana's really going to adjust and really go all out to stop that run. And I, I think that's going to open up the, the middle of the field for Penn State. And who knows, maybe even some shots down the field. Maybe we'll see some explosive plays. Who knows? So you get a couple explosive plays that can get you to 250 pretty quick. Yeah, so you're right. I'll, I'll take the over. All right, moving on to the defense. Rushing yards for the Hoosiers. Over or under 100 yards? Under.
1: This defense is legit. They've,
0: they have figured
1: out how to stop the run. Um, they they've got the horses to hang with just about any offense out there. Give me the under.
0: So I'll take the over here. I think Indiana's game plan. I think they're going to run the ball a lot. They got a mobile quarterback, which always makes things difficult. So sometimes they're passing on third down things break down the quarterback. It's a 15 yard run. I just think with that and them through repetition, trying to run the ball, I think that will get them over a hundred, not by a ton of yards, but I, I do think Indiana can, Get over that mark. Gotcha. So you think it's more of like a volume
1: thing, then they're going to just run it down our throats thing.
0: Yeah. The Hoosiers will not be running the ball down our throat. Maybe on the basketball court, not, not oh. on the gridiron. <laughs> yeah. Although we seem to beat them in basketball quite a bit for like how much better of a program they are. Like mm-hmm. I feel like when I watch us play the Hoosiers, we like never lose. Like it's very we're like, strange. We're like the Michigan state of Big Ten
1: basketball. We just right. beat teams like weirdly that we shouldn't beat.
0: Yeah. But I like it that way. It's, it's always fun to upset these big time programs. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, passing yards for the defense over or under 150 passing yards for the Hoosiers under again, defense is legit.
1: Uh, Penn state's good at defending the run. They are elite at defending the pass. So give me the under,
0: I'm going to take the under as well. I, I, I think Kalen King's going to be looking to bounce back after a couple of holding penalties and, um, you know, other guys in the secondary, they're going to just be frustrated. So I, I think they're going to really be locked in this week. And you're getting to see a good performance from the defense, get that crowd noise on your side again. Give me under. Yep. All right. Um, Penn state turnovers over or under one and a half. Under
1: they've protected the ball year. Uh, I'm not expecting it to change this week.
0: That's good. I'm going to take the under as well. I expect them to kind of get back to who they are and uh, take care of the football. So mm-hmm. which they haven't. They had less than one and a half turnovers against Ohio State, too. So, yeah, it's just like
1: one of those things where it had a different flavor because, you know, it's hard to turn the ball over when your offense is constantly going off throwing, the field <laughs> you throwing know throwing
0: the ball throwing the ball into the stands and not converting yeah, any third downs. exactly it's pretty easy
1: to not throw interceptions when that's happening
0: yep absolutely uh, i think i saw something like drew aller's pass chart chart and it was like three green passes on the field and then like all the rest of the red dots were like in the stands oh god <laughs> oh man uh but moving on uh mm-hmm. Takeaways for the defense over under two and a half.
1: I'll take the over here. I'm, I'm feeling optimistic. Um, My community prediction actually deals with a turnover. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I just, I just think that, you know, this defense is, it's really hitting its stride right now. Um, So even if they do end up running the ball more, like you're predicting, I just, I like this defense's ability to, uh, get turnovers just in a general sense. So I'll take the over.
0: I'm going to take the under here. I think Indiana's going to have a, a solid game plan. I think they're going to run the ball a lot and try to keep the ball out of harm's way and really play a field position game with Penn state and really just extend the game, uh, give Penn state less possessions, less plays. So Uh, that's the game plan. I think they'll come in with, so I'm going to take the under for takeaways. Gotcha. All right. Uh, pass rush sacks for Penn state over or under four and a half. Who? I'll take the
1: under, uh, but I'm seeing four, like four, four and a half that like to get to five. That that's a high number, but, uh, I, I like this pass rush right now. Um, even in, uh, chop Robinson's absence. I really like to deny Dennis Sutton. Um, I think he, he played his ass off against Ohio state in relief of Robinson. Um, So I got the bird brawler in the last pod. So I'll take, I'll take the under, but slightly under.
0: Yeah. uh, That's kind of where I'm thinking too. I'm thinking like four sacks. I do think with volume, it is going to be hard. You saw Michigan get four sacks. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, I just don't, think Indiana is going to pass the ball a ton. So okay. I'll say four, three to gotcha. four. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Cool. All right. How, how does the offensive line do over or under one and a half sacks allowed? I'll
1: take, I'll take the under, um, you know, even with Ohio state, like, you know, towards the end, they were crushing the offensive line, but I mean, how many sacks did they record on drew? Was it like one or two?
0: Uh Ohio State, I think, got uh, three. Okay. I can look this up quick. Drew was sacked four times.
1: Oh, okay. All right. So yeah, I guess my memory is a little skewed. Um
0: but yeah. The, I, I yeah, mean, the emoji by the stat sheet is like a guy throwing out a piece of trash.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man.
0: <yeah>. Oh, geez. <laughs> um, Bleacher
1: reports brutal. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um I, uh, no, I mean, I think that the offensive line, not very good in, in run blocking, but like good in pass protection. Um, I, this isn't, this isn't the same caliber of a defensive line as Ohio state. So I'll take the under here.
0: Yeah. I'm in agreement with you there. Um, so moving on to, uh, factor fiction. All right. Factor fiction. Penn state gets back to being themselves and will score at least 30 points starting a new 30 point streak. Fact.
1: Yeah. Like I said, I have them scoring over 40. Um, I like, even though Tom Allen is a, is a smart defensive coach, I think that Penn state has the athletes here. So I'll, I'll say fact.
0: I think it will take all four quarters, but give me a fact at least 30 points for Penn state. Very good. All right. So this stat, is actually still alive. Uh, so factor fiction, the Penn state defense will give up zero points in the third quarter. Yeah. I'll say fact. Yeah. This defense is balling. All right. I like it. Uh, I agree. Fact. They're, they're going to take care of business. Factor fiction. Drew Aller has zero turnovers. Keeps the street going. I'll say fact. Um, you know, even with some of his throws
1: that went awry, um, he still didn't like try to fit it inside of a window where the opposing defender could pick it off. And, you know, whether that's by design or like whatever the case may be, he still does not have a turnover. So I'm expecting that streak to continue.
0: Yeah. And. I felt kind of silly for saying that. Hey, he's not gonna get it, and then and then he kept the streak going versus Ohio State. So, <laughs> um, you know what? I'm gonna say fact here. Uh, I think Drew keeps up that turnover free streak. So, hoping he keeps it going. Gotcha. All right. Fact or fiction? Th- this one's gonna hurt. Okay. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. still haunts you. Oh God, total fact. I mean that that whole season,
1: like you knew it was going down the tubes from that first game. Like, even though it was a weird year, the COVID year and stuff like that, like clearly was not over the line.
0: Clearly was out of bounds on the attempt. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah. Fact. Yeah. I think the thing that really haunts me is, is not that Indiana beat us. It's that when he dove for the end zone, he was clearly short. You could see it. On the, the replay, it, it it was like clear and obvious. Um, so that definitely haunts me that the officiating was wrong. And maybe not him specifically. And then the fact that uh, Miles Sanders didn't just like take a knee after gaining that first down. And well, no, that was play. that. That would have been Devin Ford at that time. Oh, De- was that Devin Ford? Yeah. Okay. So Devin Ford did not, um, you know, dive to the ground. And then Penn State just takes three knees and gets out of there. You Mm -hmm. allow Indiana to go the length of the field, which is crazy to think about with how good the defense is now. I know. (laughs) Allowing that to happen uh, a couple years ago. And then also not just getting the touchdown, but converting the two-point conversion to send it to overtime. And then in overtime, you score a touchdown, you kick the extra point, they go for two. And then they get it. The refs give them a gift and – yeah. The game's over. So yeah, that's gonna haunt me, you know, just because of that decision. And we really talked about how, like, you know, Notre Dame only had ten players on the field the last two plays against Ohio State, and we talked about how, um, you know, other players had twelve. I f- I forget what team that was. Uh, there was a big Fiat. Maybe that was LSU where they had like twelve players. Which actually, listening in Franklin's presser. The reason they ended up not going for it on fourth and one, oh is yeah, that they had twelve guys in the field, so that was something that was really uncharacteristic for them. And <laughs> I thought they should have still went for it anyway. Oh, I agree. Uh, yeah, because he said like, oh, we decided to punt after we lost
1: the element of surprise, and it's just like, well, what element of surprise like was there? Because they were still substituting in their guys. They probably knew that you were gonna like. Try some some sort of run, which, well, I mean, maybe not. We were probably going to try some cockamamie slant or something yeah. like that. Knowing <laughs> I mean, like, how that how that game went down <laughs> in hindsight. But it's like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm in agreement with you. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, but it's
0: like like still to go for it. Like Drew's a load. Go, go get a yard. Exactly. And especially when you're your team that does that so well. Like, Iowa, that was awesome. They just ran it every time. Iowa could not do anything. And you saw Nick Sirianni with the Eagles. Uh, they are playing the Dolphins, who's put up a lot of points. You know, he's just like, you know what? You know, ball's out. We're going for it. Like, that's like that's swag. Franklin needs to have some of that swag, that tough physical, hey, we we need one yard. We're, we're running it down your throat with the tush push or the brotherly shove, whatever you want to call it. And just, what, would you, what would you call that play for Penn State? So, bro- brotherly shove is
1: obviously, I mean, like, Philly. But what would you call that play for Penn State?
0: Oh, I, th- I feel like I need some time to think about this one. Okay. Hmm. Uh, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? I haven't, no. I just thought this this question, like, off the top of my head.
1: But now now I'm, like, rapidly trying to think of an answer. Like, maybe the the, oh, God. Oh, I got one. The okay. Lion Lunge. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. The Lion Lunge.
0: All right. Let's get, let's get it uh, copyrighted so they yeah. can't take it from us. That's right. got to apply for the copyright now. The Lion Lunge.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You'll find that on a t-shirt soon.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey, that'll be maybe our next uh, Ninny Blues uh, t-shirt. Make sure you check the store. I got a lot of cool designs. We got uh, Lawn Boys. We got some pink and black. So if you're one of those people that likes the pink and black t-shirt, we got that too. Uh, we got some booty balls. So if you're a basketball fan, we got basketball season coming up celebrating Jalen Pickett in mm-hmm. the NBA. That's definitely a Jalen and Pickett inspired T-shirt. So make sure you check out the store. A lot of good swag. I love my Nittany Blue swag. We got the Rose Bowl wing tee. We talked about that on our episode today. So if you want to br- want Penn State to bring that back, hey, that's one way to do it. Buy that T-shirt. Get an Lion fan seeing it. Get Coach Franklin seeing it. That- that's how you do it. Yeah, exactly. That that's how we get the wing tee
1: back in the in the offensive playbook. But yeah, you can check all that out at uh,
0: shop.neddyboots.com.
1: But uh, yeah, so the lion lunge, I like lion lunge.
0: I I think that's a, a good one. All right. Um, and our last fact in fiction, factor fiction, and then I'm going to give you a question. At okay, and uh, it's going to be Halloween based question. So I think okay. people, <laughs> you'll enjoy it. I know you and Julie are big Halloween people. Yeah, yeah, we are. So, all right. But before that, uh, factor fiction, Indiana is a basketball school fact. Yeah. One, one
1: and a half good years of football does not overrule decades of basketball excellence. I'm going to go fiction. We beat them all the time. <laughs> oh, okay, nice. All right. Yeah. Just swinging for the fences here. Vince is just taking no prisoners.
0: Boom. Yeah. All right. Yeah. F- feeling good on that one. Uh, yeah. And just had to disagree to disagree. Yeah. All right, so um, since it is Halloween, mm-hmm. what what Penn State game or moment in a game haunts you the most to this day? Like, what haunts you the most? The JT Barrett throw to the tight end at the end of the
1: Ohio State-Penn State game in 2017. I will always remember that drive and that pass.
0: <laughs> that one hurt so bad. And yep. After that game... He lose to Michigan state and then you lose the chance to go to the college football. Playoff. Yep.
1: Yeah. As well as the big 10, uh, championship game. I mean, yeah. they, the season ended in a great way, winning the Fiesta bowl over, over Washington. But that one, that one will probably stick with me forever. Just because of like, just how high program was number two, like, uh, you know what like what's crazy is that like the the situations were reversed like the offense was scoring in bunches and i mean granted like that that hit a real standstill in the second half and stuff like that but then the defense just couldn't they they were they were just like a turnstile you know so you, you fast forward now six years and we have the stalwart defense that could just like all these guys out there just playing their their asses off making stop after stop and Doing like goal line stands against the mighty Ohio State Buckeyes, and we can't score a thing. Like that's what's crazy about college football and about this program and its evolution is that, like, you know, like the 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 scales tip wildly in one way or the other, and we just need to find that balance.
0: Yeah, so many, so many things that, haunt me that Ohio State game you talked about, mm-hmm. that one where we had that uh, 28 to seven lead. And I think we lost 39, 38. It was Saquon's last year. That was Pass- Ohio
1: state. I think.
0: Okay. Yeah. We're talking yeah. about the same game. Well, yeah. there was also that game like Juwan Johnson had that crazy one handed catch. I think that was another close game too. That was also Might Ohio 20- state in 2018, 2018. <laughs> yeah. So I'm that wasn't a trend here. That was Trace's tra- 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 last year. Um, uh, you could even say Ohio state like this year, like just, Our defense played really well. Um, That holding call on that strip six that we needed, that's going to haunt me for a long time. So there's like so many Ohio State games you can throw out there. Mm -hmm. Um, All those times we've lost to Michigan State and have had 10 and two seasons because of that. Not even like the Michigan juggernaut we have now. We were losing to like the Spartans. Mm -hmm. That'll haunt me. Obviously, the Michael Penix Jr. game. That's going to haunt me. Um, And Rose Bowl versus USC, where we had that big lead and just did not continue to stay aggressive. The Brandon Bell injury is really what made everything really crumble there because once he went down, USC was just able to score. It was the
1: same situation as Ohio State 2017. Um, Defense couldn't get a stop the offense was scoring like magic, especially at the start of the second half. They go down, they score that last second, uh, touchdown to tie the game. Then. So it's tie game, like under a minute left inopportune, uh, interception thrown by trace gets returned back to like the 25. And that was all she wrote 52 to 49.
0: And you could even say like the, you know, JT last year, making all those plays on Sean uh, in a game where we were up with nine and a half minutes left at home and a big noon kickoff of all things. Not even a whiteout. Yeah. That's like another Ohio Ohio state haunts you game. Uh, The Illinois nine overtime game. Oh yeah. I was there. I was sick. But I showed up. I was supporting the team. I was being so loud. Somehow it gets into overtime. I think Sean dropped like a, like a, it wasn't the Philly special, but it was like a similar style play. He drops a pass. I think Jaquan Brisker didn't catch an interception that he could have had to end the game and just the missed opportunities. And then the fact that it goes into nine overtimes now, every time you see an overtime game in college football, if you're just tuning into a game for fun, and they they always, they always mention, "Hey, the most over overtimes ever in a football game was uh, Penn State Illinois, and Illinois won in nine overtimes." You got to yep. hear that and yep. have that constant reminder. That's going to haunt me. But I feel like one of the one of the ones that haunts me the most is the interception versus uh, Pitt at the end of the game. Mm, yep, where we are coming back. We got off to a slow, slow start. We like, we're missing all three of our starting linebackers. So the defense was a mess that day. And we were coming back the field effortlessly. Wide receiver runs the wrong route. We're already in field goal range to tie it. And I feel good Mm -hmm. about our chances in overtime. Yep. Wide receiver runs the wrong route, gets intercepted by, I think it was Avante Maddox actually. It was. Yep. Who's on the Eagles now. We we like him now because he's wearing that Kelly green, but, um, yeah, so that ends the game. And if you don't have that loss against Pitt, you see Penn State in the college football playoff, man. Yep. Like, yep. On our show, we've been saying, man, when's Penn State going to make the college football playoff? Like, would have been then. Yep. Would have been then. And we could not have this conversation over and over again on the podcast. Like, yep. I would just love to not have that conversation. But that happened and it haunts me. I can't believe we lost to that team, but you know. Those are things that haunt you things. You can't believe so, <laughs> well said. Yeah. So those are the, the biggest ones for me. So that that one was at the, the top of the list for me. And I thought that was a fun little Halloween. Yeah. Uh, inspired. Spooky. spooky. Yeah. But, uh, all right. Uh, move, moving on to best part of the show. Let's go with our, uh, communion predictions. Uh, Andrew, what do you have for your communion prediction for our fans this week?
1: Yeah, so for the communion prediction, I am riding high with this defense. I think they are the greatest thing since sliced bread right now. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm i saying that the defense scores a touchdown in this one. I'm taking a strip sack by Adisa picked up by denied Dennis Sutton. I'm taking that as like my little a la carte details for my communion prediction. So that's that's what I'm going with this week. We're going to see six points scored by the defense.
0: That's what I like to hear. Um, so communion prediction for me, I'll, I'll add my final score in here then too. Uh, so I'll do my score first for my communion prediction. I predict that the defense is going to have their third shutout in Beaver stadium. The, the defense will give up zero points at home and Penn state is going to win the football game. 34 to zero. Sweet. Yeah. So covering the spread uh shutout,
1: getting over 30 points, you hit all the marks. All the marks of
0: a good uh Penn State football game. Yeah. Uh so for me,
1: final score, um, I think just going back to what I said earlier, I think that the talent mismatch is in Penn State's favor. Um even with like a solid defensive game plan by Indiana, I think that Penn State just has the athletes to really move on this team. I mean time will tell um whether or not that is the case. Uh I, you know, I do think that we're gonna be seeing them try to work out some of the kinks on the offensive side of the ball um that kind of reared their ugly heads against Ohio State. But when it's all said and done, I think that Penn State's gonna win by a comfortable margin. So I'm taking Penn State 41 to 14
0: forty one fourteen, I like it, but I think you're underestimating the defense. You're making the same mistake I made, so <laughs> you watch out. they're they're gonna they're gonna come. We'll for you, see, man, we'll see. I mean, I would love to be wrong, yeah, so we'll we'll see all right. Uh, any other uh college football games you're excited to watch this weekend? Yeah, we got
1: a couple of good ones out here. um Louisville Duke uh, kind of stands out to me um ranked matchup of two ACC programs that. Uh, usually we don't see them ranked in football, so that'll be exciting to see. Uh, we got Utah, Oregon, Utah is coming off of that. Uh, you know, kind of, yeah, shutting down of Caleb Williams and, uh, the USC Trojans. Um, you know, a lot of criticism being hurled, uh, Lincoln Riley's way after that one. Um, you know, none of the players were made available for comment after the game. Um, and you know, so there's. And you've got guys out here saying, oh, Caleb Williams should sit out the rest of the year. Like, that ah. that game broke them. <laughs> like, that that's the only way I can describe it. So, you got that one. Um, other ones out here, you've got 23-ranked UCLA taking on Colorado. I think that'll be um, an entertaining one to watch. And, um, you know, honestly, like, maybe a little less or lower profile, but you've got 11-ranked Oregon State taking on... Uh unranked Arizona, but Arizona's shown some moxie. Like they have they have some grit to them um as a program. So I think that'll be a pretty good game. Um so yeah, those are the ones that I've I've kind of got my eye on um this week. I mean, there's not like the blockbuster matchups like there have been in the past two weeks with like us and then the Red River rivalry like the week beforehand. So this seems to be more of like kind of like a you know a low key week, but we'll we'll see what Ed has in store.
0: Yeah, and uh you know I want to add a few more. I thought the ones you you talked about were all good. Um I think Georgia heading into the swamp in Florida that could be interesting. Florida's had a tough schedule, but uh they've been pretty good this year. They got a 5 and 2 season. Um uh, so I think that game could be good. I think Tennessee at Kentucky, I think that'll be a fun one to watch. I think uh Ohio State after playing us and heading to Wisconsin, uh Camp hey. Ramble Stadium that gets very loud. Uh, I do think the Buckeyes are going to win, but I, I yeah. think that game could be interesting and they might be on upset alert. Uh, those are big ones I have. So I think it's going to be like always a, a good weekend for for college football. Yeah,
1: uh, here's a here's an, an extra question. How do you think uh, Christian Bayou does against 14th ranked Notre Dame?
0: I think he's going to have a bad time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think so, too. (laughs) If
0: you saw Kyle McCord and Marvin Harrison Jr. having a bad time, he's going to have a bad time. (laughs) I know.
1: Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, I think they're at Notre Dame, too. So no bueno.
0: Oh, yeah. Not good. Um, So some other things we have going on this weekend. Um, Oh, and also I want to talk about the tiebreaker situation. Uh, Iowa, Northwestern, and Illinois, all three of those teams lost. So if there's a three way tie between us, Michigan, and Ohio State for the Big Ten East, not looking good. Um, Iowa had that very controversial, like the guy took the punt return for a touchdown, but the referee thought he was waving for a fair catch after they reviewed it. But he was just telling his teammate, like, not to touch the ball because it was a short punt. But yeah, anyway, um, so. We are, as Penn State fans, we're going to root for Northwestern, Iowa, and Illinois. Those are the three Mm -hmm. teams you want to root for if you're watching some other Big Ten football games because we will need their help because Ohio State is not going to lose uh, two games this year. That's just the bottom line. It's not going to happen. So that is our only hope and prayer to win the Big Ten uh, championship or the the Big Ten East. So Mm -hmm. we got Maryland at Northwestern. We got Michigan State at Minnesota. Purdue at Nebraska, and then Ohio State at Wisconsin, like we we just mentioned. So yeah, a lot of good uh, Big Ten football action happening this weekend as well.
1: Yeah, good notes. Uh,
0: yeah, so what else is going
1: on in State College? Uh,
0: a lot of good things. Uh, field hockey had a, a big win on their last home game of the season. They upset number their number 16. They upset number five, Iowa. They had a nice win there uh women's volleyball also beat by Iowa in 3 sets so that was a, a big time matchup big win and um we beat Michigan in football it might have been a different football yeah. but we beat them 4 to nothing so football. another <laughs> football so we beat them 4 nothing on on their senior night and they also uh won their game tonight 3 to nothing versus uh Detroit Mercy I think okay they're playing so it was an out-of-conference opponent, so those are some you know nice, uh, nice wins that I saw from some Penn State programs. I also want to give a shout out to uh, Aaron Brooks, uh, wrestler. Yeah. He, he won. He's a we got a world champion on campus, big man on campus here. Yeah, under twenty-three world champion. I love to see it. Just continued excellence from the wrestling program. So that's awesome to see. Uh, men's hockey, they they split their series with American International. When I went, they had some good luck. They won uh, <laughs> three to two in a you know definitely comeback win, so that was fun to watch. But then they fell six to four uh, the following week. Field hockey also lost to uh, number one ranked uh, Northwestern two nothing, so that was a heartbreaker. Uh, women's soccer had a heartbreaker as well after being ranked in the top of the Big Ten all year. Uh, They lost at home to Wisconsin, one to nothing. So just heartbreaking score in soccer. Um, So they'll be playing Indiana next Sunday, uh, the 29th. So they'll be at home as they start the run for, you know, the Big Ten Tournament Championship. Uh, Women's volleyball had a tough loss at home versus Purdue, three to one. Uh, Then we had big things happen in this weekend. Uh, cross country heading over to Wisconsin where they're going to have a big battle for the big 10 championship field hockey. They are going to be at Indiana on Friday. Uh, that'll be a 3 PM uh, time uh, puck drop. It's not puck drop is ball drop. Like what's the field hockey terminology there?
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. Know.
0: Uh, t- like face off. Do, do they have a face off in field hockey? I think they dropped the ball. Like that would make sense. Like, I guess. You, yeah. You can tell we're big uh, field experts here on the, podcast. Yeah, seriously. seriously yeah. <laughs> everyone in everyone in <laughs> Steelings Grove is secretly ashamed of us right now. Cause we're such like a big field hockey <laughs> we're, school.
1: We're such noobs.
0: Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: maybe, well, maybe is it, isn't it like soccer where it's like one team like starts with possession and then the other team starts with possession in the second half.
0: Could be, I'll have to, uh, Text my neighbor. She was like a college field hockey player. Got it. Uh, married my cousin. So maybe, maybe she'll, she'll uh, fill us just in. Some insights upon us. Yeah. A little more, a little more educated on, on yeah. uh, field hockey.
1: As opposed to us, which is who are just like <laughs> hit ball into net. Like, yeah. The- we love our teams. We'll, we'll support them to death, but we don't know how <laughs> it
0: works. Yeah. Shoot the puck. It's yeah. a ball. <laughs> right. Uh, but anyway, uh, speaking of pucks, uh, men's ice hockey is going to be home this weekend. So if you are going to the Indiana game and you're going to be in town, uh, they play on Thursday at 7 p.m. I'll be going to that game. And they also play Friday at 7 p.m. versus Alaska Anchorage. So they're coming cool. a long way to play us. Uh, That's a top on, tier team, too. Yeah. that. Oh, I don't know. I don't
1: think the rank's super high. I have I always thought they were, like, in past years. Maybe not this year, but still.
0: Yeah. Who knows? I, I could, could be wrong. But also, like, uh, college hockey, there's only, like, 64 teams i think Mm -hmm. somewhere around that number so um there's not as many teams which means you know you still have a lot of really good hockey players so like upsets are much more common in hockey as opposed to like football for example the talent gap is is much wider so Mm -hmm. good point there uh women's volleyball is going to be on the road at michigan so hopefully we can, we can beat Michigan at something else. Uh, you know, getting some good vibes heading into football weekend. So they will be playing at uh 7 PM on a Friday night. Also on Friday, men's basketball has a scrimmage at Robert Morris. So if you're a Penn state alumni in, in the Pittsburgh area, uh, definitely check them out. Uh, I wish I could head out, uh, but I'll be, you know, going to the Indiana game. So, uh, it doesn't work out for me. I, I would love to see the the basketball team, though, I got season tickets. They're, they're going to be a fun fun squad to watch this year. Yeah, for sure. And then we got uh, women's hockey. They'll be playing Syrac- at Syracuse this weekend. So they got a couple games. And then we have women's volleyball Sunday. They'll be traveling to Michigan State. So poor uh, women's volleyball team. They're going to be stuck in Michigan <laughs> <laughs> all weekend, I'm sure. So. That'll be tough. And then Sunday, uh, men's soccer is going to be at Wisconsin. Uh, unsure of that might be their last Big Ten game before they start heading into the Big Ten tournament. So mm-hmm. it's either the first game of the Big Ten tournament or uh, their last regular season game. So gotcha. that'll okay. be a good one. Uh, women's soccer, we already talked about. Yeah, so those are definitely the the big ones. Uh, to keep an eye out for this weekend. A lot of Penn State sports, uh, you know, especially hockey at home. So make sure you check those out if you're coming up for the, the football game this weekend as well. Sweet. Uh, anything else you want to add on before we get out of here? Just a couple housekeeping notes, as
1: always. Um, you can check out our website at NitneyBlues.com. Uh you can learn how to support Vince and I and the show, help us do some new cool things uh with our content. Um you can go to com slash support to learn more about that. You can check out our merch, as we mentioned before, at com. Uh, reach out to us. Let us know how we're doing. If you have any suggestions for the show, if you have predictions about this upcoming game or any other team that's happening with Penn State right now, we'd love to hear it. We want to share it on the show and talk about your questions. So feel free to reach out to us either on our website or via social media. You can find us on all forms of social media. Uh, so you can get in touch with us. Um, any which way that you like, but, uh, definitely want to hear from you, but yeah, other than that, just, uh, looking forward to, um, another Penn State football game. Um, we definitely should not take these for granted. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, we only get like, you know, at minimum 12 of these a year. So we, we should enjoy every single one, even if we're, even if we're coming off a disappointing loss. So just looking forward to, uh, seeing our boys in blue and white again.
0: Yeah, and we'd love to hear from you guys. Send us your questions. Send us your communion predictions for the game. We want to hear it. We want to get you guys involved and have your input in our podcast. If you'd like to support the pod, please tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you enjoy the show, please leave a five-star review so that other Nittany Lion fans like you can find us. Interested in new episodes? You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or other streaming platforms to be notified. Thank you for listening, and we want to remind you that we are the Nitney Blues Podcast. We'll see you next time.